Ambassador Gary A. Grappo. Ambassador Grappo uh, served numerous assignments at the State Department in our nation's capital. He also had postings in Nicaragua, Portugal, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, twice in Oman, Iraq, and Jerusalem. He has held a number of senior positions in the State Department, including U.S. Ambassador to the Sultanate of Oman, Minister Counselor for Political Affairs at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, and the Charge d'Affaires and Deputy Chief of Mission of the U.S. Embassy in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. He recently was named a Distinguished Fellow at the Center for Middle East Studies of the Corbell School of International Studies at the University of Denver. More than a pleasure to have back on the show, Ambassador Gary A. Grappo. Ambassador Grappo, thank you for joining us uh, on uh, this uh, summer week before uh, 4th of July. And uh, after such a terribly heinous, as they all are, uh, terrorist attack uh, in Istanbul at the airport. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Um, five hours, just five hours after terrorists killed 41 people at the airport in Istanbul, um, you know, uh, people, you know, were going back to the airport. The airport was open uh, for business. Is this a sign in your opinion and, and with your experience over the years, Mr. Ambassador, that this is unfortunately becoming the new normal worldwide? Well, there have been claims, uh, like that, and uh, I, it would be a truly sad day if we have to to accept that. Uh, I think we have to remember that the Istanbul Airport is one of the largest international airports in the world. It's the third largest in Europe. The Turks have uh, a fairly sophisticated security system there uh, and uh, airport operations, so it's not surprising that they could bring the airport back into operation so quickly after such a devastating attack. Um, I think also it's a sign that um, international security organizations the world over are now preparing themselves to, to deal with these kinds of attacks and how to deal with the aftermath so that the impact is not as great as it once might have been when we were less prepared. Uh, another thing people were angry about is that it took just five hours to process such a massive crime scene, just five hours, one of which was Professor Larry Koblinski of the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Um, it, it, or do you think that this is, you know, for some people, shocking, or, or do you think do you think the, the, crime, the crime scene perhaps wasn't um, as uh, scrutinized as uh, some people fear it might not have been with that time frame, or do you think that we're just more technologically worldwide, Istanbul included, at the airport uh, on our game that you could get through a crime scene so massive in such a short period of time? Well, I am a bit surprised. Five hours is a pretty brief period of time. I suspect that between our FBI and aviation security authorities and, and others, we would have taken much longer uh, in, in this country, although we have less experience dealing uh, with this kind of a massive attack at, it, at an airport. Uh, uh, nevertheless, as I said, I think the Turks do have a fairly impressive security apparatus, and we don't know what ongoing investigations are, are continuing. Uh, I suspect that there's a lot hap- happening away from the airport uh, that we don't know about. But nevertheless, uh, five hours is a bit brief, I, I have to say. Um, you know, we we would have our FBI experts in there with a fine-tooth comb and a microscope uh, combing um, pretty much every square inch of a terrorist scene like this. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, God, uh, you know, sometimes weeks. I mean, we saw, you know, what happened with San Bernardino. But it does seem that we are uh, getting um, 
uh, you know, quicker at this. I can't even imagine. I mean, there are people just, you know, sometimes superstitious, but people walking over shards of glass, workers trying to wash away blood, and yet people are walking through um, to catch uh, their flights. Let's talk about the security standards of such an airport to the best of your knowledge, Mr. Ambassador. Um, I had heard, you know, on the various, um, you know, experts talking throughout the uh, past, uh, you know, day and a half now um, on radio, on television, that this airport had extremely um, good and high security, equal if not surpassing the security international airports in the United States. Have you heard that as well? Yes, I've always heard fairly uh, complimentary uh, remarks made by visitors as well as uh, professionals in the security field about the security measures at uh, the Istanbul airport. Of course, Turkey is no stranger to terrorist attacks. They've, they've had um, uh, at least a dozen over the course of the last year, uh, including several previous in Istanbul. Uh, and so the, their security services, I think, are well prepared to deal with a tragedy like this, uh, and I suspect the airport authorities were also. Uh, nevertheless, I think we just have to acknowledge that regardless of where you put the hard line at any airport, whether it's a major airport like Istanbul's or a smaller one, that automatically makes the area just before the hard line vulnerable. And that's exactly what happened in this particular case. Uh, two of the attackers detonated their vest bombs, uh, or their bomb vests, um, just outside the hard line. And, of course, people congregate there in the same kind of numbers that they would inside the hard line after they had already passed through uh, airport security. And so this is going to require that airport authorities and security folks all over the world think about how we redesign airports uh, vis-a-vis the placement of the security line and what happens in the area outside the security line, whether it's in the assembly hall where people typically check into flights, uh, whether it's in the drop-off areas just outside the airport or even in parking lot, which apparently was where one of the um, attackers was killed in, in Istanbul. I, I want to talk about something that they had said. Um, this was the uh, the uh, TAV Airport CEO, Sonny Senior, um, or Center, um, who said that unlike many American and European airports, that they have security checkpoints at the entrance of the terminal building. How did these people get in with weapons and vests that had explosives on them then? They, they did have, as I understand it, two security lines. They had a fairly hard line. Uh, which the attackers did not pass. Uh, two of them detonated their their bomb vests uh, just outside that line. Uh, and then a softer line, and it's not clear really what takes place at that softer uh, at that softer line, whether it's just a visual inspection of the people going by. Do they go through an x-ray machine with different type of sensitivity? Um, because we have to imagine that the expense of having two hard lines, for example, would be extraordinary. So my suspicion is that the outer uh, security line probably was not as hard as the inner one, which is where the two explosions uh, took place. But again, as I just said, uh, Leslie, this begs the question. So you put a security line at place X to prevent uh, this kind of attack happening, what happens to the area just outside of that? Because 
people have to arrive somewhere. They have to congregate. Right. Yeah. Um, they have to go through some initial processing uh, before they're ticketed, check bags, and so forth. Um, a, a, a number of things here, but one, ICE is known as Daesh in this area, has not taken credit for this. Mr. Ambassador, I have seen many reports that ISIS doesn't or hasn't taken any credit for anything with regard to Turkey specifically. A, is that true? And B, if so, why? Uh, and, and if that is true, uh, and, and you tell us why, um, then in addition to that, um, it, you know, is it fair to say that this could possibly be ISIS? Oh, it's quite possible and, in fact, quite likely that this is ISIS. Uh, But I think ISIS is now figuring into its calculation that there is another group out there of considerable concern uh, to to the Turkish government, and, of course, that's the PKK and affiliated uh, Kurdish rebel groups. Uh, It would certainly be in the interest of ISIS to see the Turks concentrate their efforts on going after these Kurdish groups rather than ISIS. And for that reason, uh, they would probably be very happy to let uh, Turkey find out for themselves who is responsible for it and thereby divide their, their efforts between possibly ISIS and then these other Kurdish organizations. Uh, earlier on, they, they may have claimed credit for some of the um, attacks, but certainly most recently they have not. Um, Secondly, um, Turkey has taken a much stronger position vis-a-vis ISIS in the course of the last year. They granted uh, the U.S. um, uh, rights to use their air base uh, in Turkey uh, to go after um, ISIS forces and ISIS bases or uh, placements inside Syria. And that, no doubt, uh, rankled uh, ISIS, and and they may have felt, in fact, I'm certain they felt the need uh, to take action against Turkey. And then secondly, Turkey has has begun, and this did not happen in the initial years of the civil war in Syria, to to clamp down on the passage of goods, weapons, and foreign fighters through Turkey across the border and into Syria. So there were... There are a number of good reasons why why ISIS would want to strike back against um, uh, Turkey. And uh, I think given the reaction of the Turkish president, uh, President Erdogan, today, uh, I suspect that they are probably going to take even a stronger look at how they can um, make the Turks pay, so to speak, for now a very hard position against ISIS. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a few more minutes with the ambassador. We have another guest joining us on the other half of this hour. Ambassador Gary Grappo uh, is our guest. And like I said, he um, was is, has been named Distinguished Fellow at the Center for Middle East Studies of the Corbell School of International Studies at the University of Denver. Back with him and you right after this. Don't go away. We are back with our guest. Thank you uh, for holding Mr. Ambassador Gary A. Uh, Grappo. Uh, we are talking about the terrible attack in Istanbul uh, that killed 41. The airport is already uh, back in business. Um, we're talking about uh, security, and we're talking about who is um, who is responsible. Is it a different situation, would you say, Mr. Ambassador, in Turkey? Because it's sort of like a three-way division there. Um, ISIS, Turks, and Kurds, correct? Uh, correct. In terms of the of the threat, I don't know that there's much of a threat from Turks per se as it is um, the, the PKK, the Kurds who reside in Turkey. 
would it be safe to say when we look at the people that died and that were wounded and where they come from, um, the list that's coming out now, the overwhelming majority of these victims were Muslim. And I, and I say that, and Turkey is a Muslim country, and I say that because sometimes it's the idea that Muslims are doing this to us. You know what I mean? Yes, and uh, I, I think that's something that's becoming uh, increasingly apparent to Muslims worldwide is that uh, the violence that we see, most especially in the Middle East, but in other areas uh, around the world, uh, is often carried out <clears throat> by the extreme uh, extremists, Islamic extremists like ISIS, but against other Muslims. And the exceptions uh, to that have been those attacks that have been carried out in um, in Europe and then the lone wolf attacks here in the United States. But certainly within the region, the vast majority, and I, I want to say it's probably over 90 percent, uh, have been targeted against other Muslims. Like we saw in Paris at the Bataclan Concert Hall last November, the mass shooting, the suicide bombings that left uh, 89 people dead. ISIS did claim responsibility for that. Uh, But this is similar in um, that the attackers first opened fire, then they detonated themselves. So two things. It would suggest ISIS, or Daesh, like they call it in Turkey. Um, It would also um, suggest, because this was so well organized, that this would be uh, trained by, ordered by, and came from ISIS, and not lone wolves who were self-radicalized, uh, paying homage to ISIS, correct? The lone wolf sort of attacks um, that we saw in San Bernardino and or Orlando have not been seen uh, elsewhere, particularly in Turkey. That is, they've been carried out either by uh, these Kurdish radicals, uh, or by ISIS, and in the case of ISIS, without question, uh, these individuals would have been armed, directed, and trained uh, by ISIS. They would have been sent by ISIS. Uh, it, it's in all likelihood they they are not Turks. Uh, they are not Turkish citizens. They're probably foreign. In fact, there are some indications already coming out that uh, none of the three attackers was Turkish. And so I think we can safely conclude that uh, ISIS is, um, if they are the ones responsible, that they um, had a very direct hand in the uh, attack planning and direction. We saw what happened with Brexit in the U.K. We see what's happening with some of the um, response to Donald Trump's rhetoric here in the United States and just uh, an anti-immigration sentiment that grows, I think, obviously based out of fear and I think largely ignorance as well. Um, But if, in fact, uh, these people, like you say, Mr. Ambassador, were not Turkish, um, uh, would they have been freely able to enter uh, Turkey uh, based on Turkey's geography and Turkey's current immigration policies? There's no question because of the very long border that Turkey shares with Syria as well as some of the other countries to its south and and east that they would have been able to access uh, the the country far more easily than uh, than they can access certainly the United States uh, but even Europe. But but they can they can access it they can access it geographically but legally. And, and I ask because I, I, I don't know Turkey's immigration laws, you know, off the back of my hand. But once they're inside Turkey, I'm sure they can make their way to wherever they want to go uh, as long as they know how to avoid 
uh, security authorities and, and so forth, which I'm sure they do because they they carry out reconnaissance, they scrutinize the attack site, uh, the routes to get there. I mean, this is pretty much standard protocol for uh, a terrorist organization like, like ISIS. So this is not slapdash or happenstance. Uh, a lot of thought and planning went into this from the time they crossed the border, which in all likelihood they, they did, until the time uh, they reached Istanbul, the airport, and actually carried out um, the attacks. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I know that you had a brief amount of time and I'm very happy you gave it to us. Mr. Ambassador Gary A. Grappo, um, he worked at the State Department in D.C. He had postings in Nicaragua, Portugal, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, twice in Oman, Iraq, and Jerusalem. He's had a number of senior positions in the State Department and recently was named a Distinguished Fellow at the Center for Middle East Studies of the Corbell School of International Studies at the University of Denver.